I believe everyone has a story to share. I'm on a journey to discover the magic inside each person's story. Each week, I will introduce you to guests where I will dig deep and uncover the beautiful miracles from life and experiences to inspire and encourage you to live life to the fullest. My goal is to give each guest a platform to share their lives with the world in hopes that someone will be inspired to take action and live life with passion and purpose. Welcome to the Uncover Your Magic podcast with me, Ashley Goner. Are you ready? Here we go. Welcome back to Uncover Your Magic. As some of you know, my girls have been involved in pageants since they were eight years old. It was a random postcard in the mail that caught Paige's attention one day that made her say, Mom, I want to do that. I want to be in a pageant. I said, a pageant? All I really knew about pageants was from those reality shows that were so appalling to me, especially as a mother. But people always asked me when we were in pageants, were you in pageants when you were a child? And I said, no, but it was no. But in a way, I wanted them to know that I listened to her and I wanted to know her interests. And I allowed her to open up and be and try new things. And there was so much magic in that experience not only for me, but for Paige. I mean, Paige just, it allowed her to really see who she truly was and listen to that little nudge that was speaking to her. But we have met so many of the most amazing families over the course of these past few years. I've seen such growth in both of my girls in confidence, speaking and interview skills and community involvement. It has opened their eyes to so many new experiences and friendships. I am so grateful. Paige spoke up that day and knew deep in her heart that she really wanted to do something, regardless if I thought it was strange or not. I listened to her calling like she did, and we have experienced so much magic. One of the biggest gifts, if I had to pick out something, are the older girls who have made such an impact on them. To see these older women compete with such certainty and experience is not only impressive, but gives my girls something to reach for and strive to be the best they can be. My guest today is one of those beautiful women who have made an impact on my girls. Her name is Rachel Bailey. She has the presence of an angel and lights up any room she enters. I remember meeting her during a practice before one of our pageants, and all I could say to my girls was, watch her. She has such poise and grace. She speaks so brilliantly, and her beauty shines from within a true role model to anyone. Then we got to know her more deeply, and all I can say is wow, and that is why she is on my show today. You are going to enjoy this episode with Rachel so much. She not only shines on stage, but shines in her life with so many credentials and life experiences and has helped so many people with her incredible gifts. Here is a little background before we get started. Rachel is the Director of Coaching for Genius Unlocked Coaching Institute. Her journey has taken her from athletic figure skating coach to health and fitness coach to now a highly certified and accomplished life coach. Rachel has thousands of hours of coaching and aspires to help each individual realize his or her purpose. Rachel practices what she coaches and dreams big to accomplish huge goals. I'm so excited to get started so we can unpack 
all of Rachel's tools and practices to create a life of your dreams, living a free, confident, and vibrant life. So please welcome Rachel Bailey to my show. Thank you so much, Ashley. You're, I'm getting emotional over here listening to... I kind of did too. <laughs> I'm like, oh my gosh. You know, and, and your girls are so sweet. They're just, in my opinion, you've done such a beautiful job raising them. And it was such a pleasure to be sister queens together. So hearing you say that, just, I got choked up a little bit. I it was too. a very special experience. And you know, you go back and they're missing that this year. And I think you know, this whole quarantine pandemic has really opened a lot of appreciation for things. They just took advantage, you know, they took just as it's, this is what we do every year. We do the pageant and now we're not. And I just said, wow, this is going to raise it up next year, right? They're going to just really appreciate it so much more. And they, every day they're looking at other cities that get to do it because California was canceled and they're getting to, and they're like, oh mom, it's just not fair. I just want to do it so bad. But I feel like this whole thing that without them being able to do it really raised it up, really appreciation overload. Yes, I absolutely 100% would agree with that. And appreciation for just so many things, just so many blessings in my own life that I didn't even realize I was taking for granted or just not cherishing as much as I could. And, And pageants is definitely on that list. Right. Tell me what, what has changed in you? Have you enjoyed every minute of this time that you've been in lockdown or what, what has um, gone on with yes you? Yes and no. So at first it was very scary, right? It was a lot of uncertainty and being an entrepreneur and a life coach when all of this first kind of went down and we were starting to do lockdown and quarantine, there were all of the unknowns and the uncertainties with the health itself. And then also being an entrepreneur on top of that, I'm like, how am I going to make it month to month? You know, cause I'd had a, a few clients be totally transparent with me and tell me they'd lost their jobs and they weren't going to be continuing on as clients. And of course I understood and my heart went out to them and I'm thinking, how am I going to make it, make it happen? And so I, I went into a little bit of fear at first fear and scarcity. And then I thought, okay, you know, this is an opportunity to practice the skills that I've learned to write out what I'm grateful for and thankful for and to reframe what's happening so that I'm not looking at it through fear and scarcity. And so it's called an NLP reframe, stands for Neuro Linguistic Programming. But it's basically when people feel stuck, it's when they feel like they don't have options. The narrative inside their head is usually this is happening and so this is the result of that. It's called cause and effect. This is happening. So therefore this must be the result of that. My clients are not being paid. So therefore I'm going to lose clients and not be paid. Well, that's called being in effect because you're not empowered in that moment. So I realized that's what's happening as I was losing my empowerment. And so I thought, okay, how can I take my empowerment back here? So when you reframe it, you actually put, put the cause at the front of the sentence. So instead of saying, oh, I lost three clients, therefore I'm not going to be abundant this month. You say, okay, I lost three clients. What can I do to be abundant this month? You just simply shift the words and then your brain will start coming up with the creative ideas when you change your own language. So I said, okay, I lost three clients. What can I do to be abundant this month? And I said, I'm going to put on like a free program 
for people who are feeling the same exact things that I'm feeling right now, fear and lack and scarcity. And I'm just going to put on like a five day positivity retreat online for people that need it. Right. Mm -hmm. And I was thinking maybe this will work. Maybe it won't. But if I'm feeling fear and scarcity and lack, then others are too. So I did a five day, I called it five days of positive. And I just did a little, it was no big deal. It was like a little short group. I went live on Facebook for 10, maybe 20 minutes each day, just sharing something positive, having people do little dance parties inside their house and just trying to spread joy. And from that, every single person in that group loved it so much. They were ready to hire me as their life coach after five days. Yeah. So it completely shifted and I made tons of probably the best clients I could have ever had just from simply shifting my energy around it. Oh, that is amazing. When you pivot and you just have to open your mind to like just what's going to come and let it come and then it comes and then you go for it and then you see the magic, right? Exactly. Such magic. I love it. Yeah. So amazing. Who are your mentors? Like who have you studied? So you've studied NLP, but who's like, like if I was going to say, who's your top, you know, person that you really... Yes. So so people who know who Tony Robbins is, he has NLP certifications. That's his magic secret sauce that he's doing when he's helping people shift their mindset and shift to, oh my gosh, this is, this seems so negative. I'm, I'm looking through this lens and I just can't overcome. He's using NLP, neuro linguistic programming to shift their mindset and get them on the other side of that. So if you're like, I don't know what NLP is. If you know who Tony Robbins is, you know, kind of his strategy to get people to shift is NLP. So I definitely look up to Tony Robbins. He's a hero in my opinion, because he's able to touch so many people in a way where, you know, who can say that they have a niche with millions of people in it? Right. He's amazing. Well, he's the reason. I mean, I went to date with Destiny two years ago and now am surrounded by all these beautiful Tony Robbins fans and whatever followers. And I really, I think the reason I have this podcast is, you know, I went to, I did the UPW virtual and date with Destiny two years ago, but the, the, what I learned from there so much at 50 years old, I was turning 50 and I did it as a birthday present. It was the best. I just was going. I didn't think there was, I didn't know what I was going to get from it, but it just really, I mean, he's amazing. Just to, you just to get him in person is just off the chart and you get so wanting that every day. You can't wait to go back, but I really, it's just life-changing and really is why I'm sitting here with you right now. Yeah, that is so cool. And that's the power. In my opinion, that is the power of stepping into your magic, right? It's like one person, Tony Robbins, decided to step into his magic. And now look at the ripple effect. Right. Here we are. So go back. But I want to start now. I need to learn about your childhood. How did Rachel get to this? Like this amazing woman that I've watched shine on stage. I've seen you speak. And all of the things that you've done, the ice skating, but how did you, how were you raised? Did your parents raise you in this yeah. magical way? My parents are phenomenal. And it's funny because I was never the most confident child. And that is not on my parents. My parents are amazing. They're phenomenal. They, um, they really value, they brought me up. I remember from a very young age, like every day, my mom and dad 
talking to me about life lessons they wanted me to learn and how to show up and be a good friend and be a good person and be a good student and how to love my neighbor as myself. Like I remember learning those lessons at a very young age. So my parents really instilled in me a very clear moral compass of knowing you know, how we love people and and when we're being selfish and how to redirect that and to choose love for others and love for self. And so those were the things that they really consciously taught me from a very young age. Yet I just kind of always remember feeling a little bit insecure as a young kid. I was a little bit chubby. I was a little bit overweight. And I didn't, at that time in the nineties, like the, the thin, chick that, you know, kind of the models at that time were not what they are today. They didn't have dove positivity, you know, body positivity wasn't a thing. Right. So I remember feeling like super down on myself for the way that I looked. And I was very shy and quiet because I was a new, I was at a new school in second grade. And I kind of felt like, oh, everyone's already friends. You know, they went to school together in kindergarten and first grade. I'm kind of the new kid here. And so I just remember being kind of quiet and awkward. Mm -hmm. And it was actually, that went on for a long time. Even in skating, I would get, you know, like it would be just a small in-house competition. And I would get so nervous and scared and shaky. And my coach would be like, you've got this, you've got this. And I'm like, I don't got this. I don't feel confident at all. So it was a lot of struggle bus for a while. And it was, I think it was actually pageants that helped kind of break me out of my shell. It was my cousin's idea. My -hmm. cousin is 10 years, my senior, and she had done pageants. And she's like, we've got to get Rachel in a pageant. We've got to. She's going to love it. She's going to have a great time. And I was like, that sounds like a terrible idea, right? <laughs> I'm going to have to get on stage in front of all these people. And I'm totally scared of that and shy. And so my first pageant, and she, God bless her. She did her best. She like, she went shopping with me. She coached me up. She, she did interview practice with me. I just remember that first time walking out on the stage being like, people are looking at me and, and I kind of like it. It's scary, but I think, I think I like it. Just not really kind of knowing, right. you know, I'm just like looking at every judge. Like they told me to look at the judges, so I'm going to make sure I look, but not, but almost feeling like it was forced. The confidence was forced. It was like, I was doing what I was trained to do, but it wasn't internal yet. Right. And that was my first couple of pageant experiences and same with skating experiences. And then I remember the pageant one time, my same cousin was there. She, every pageant I've done, it was basically her advocating that I do the pageant. So <laughs> this oh, other neat. pageant, they had an optionals event, which Ashley, of course, you know, optionals are but for our right. listeners that don't. Optionals usually take place the day before or the weekend before and you have an opportunity to be on stage in front of judges. They're typically not the same judges though. So it's mostly what girls do it for fun. Women do it for fun and for exposure on stage and a little bit of extra practice. You could do a talent as an optional or there's different optionals and different pageants. So anyways, I did a fun fashion optional and I remember feeling like, okay, I rocked it. Like I felt super cute. I felt like I winked (laughs) at the judges. Like that was amazing. I get off the stage. I didn't win. I didn't place. And I remember feeling like, uh uh-oh, these, all these other girls placed, right? And they're going to be my competition on the actual pageant event. And this isn't good. 
And I remember going back to the room and just feeling really down about that. Like, oh no, if this is a sign of like where, how the numbers are going to go, then I'm, I've already lost. And I'd made that decision. I've already lost. Hmm. Went back to the hotel room. My mom was there. My cousin was there. And my cousin said, you are not going to make that decision right now. We still have the whole weekend ahead of us. You need to get it together. You need to remember who you are. And you need to tell me right now that you're going to remember who you are and you're going to go out there and crush it. I just got goosebumps remembering that. that. (laughs) She made me like, say a list of all of the amazing qualities that I see in myself and being a really good friend, being Miss Congeniality was really important to me. Like to me, pageants were always about the friends that you could make and the potential for lifelong friendships, as you know. And so I wrote out my list of, okay, I'm here to be a really good friend and I'm here to be Miss Congeniality and I'm here to let my inner self shine. And who cares what the scores say who cares who wins or loses? Who cares? Like I'm here to be my best self and it's not about the competition. It's about me being my best. And so much. I love to do that with the girls. Yeah. It is about that. It's a hundred percent about that. And that took me a while to learn because I think I was the girl. And now when I hear pageant coaches say this, I totally get it because I'm on the other side, but I uh, pageant coaches will say, Do not go into the room on orientation and look around and start sizing up your competition. Don't do it. And I was the girl that would do it. I, I, I felt confident before I got there, walk in the room and I just feel my energy get drained. Cause I'm like, Oh, she's got abs or she's got amazing community service or she's got this PhD. And then you start to minimize what you brought to the table. Right. And so I had to learn kind of through trial and error. Don't do that. Just go, remember who you are, why you deserve to be there, why you're worthy to be there and focus on those things. And then win or lose, you'll have a great experience. So that was through pageantry, kind of learning confidence the hard way. That wasn't something that I had innately. And did you ever win anything besides the one I saw you win? Yes, yes. So I won Miss Placer County. That was my the second pageant that I won. The first pageant I won was Miss Roseville. That was the town that I'm from. And I that was a total game changer for me because I, again, was doing it because my cousin recommended it. I didn't really see myself as a winner at that point. I just kind of saw myself as one of the not as serious competitors on the stage. So when I won, that was like, oh my gosh, the judges see something in me that maybe I don't even see myself yet. And so I took those learnings with me into my next pageant, which was a very competitive, the Placer County pageant is a very competitive, it's the county that I'm from. Placer County goes all the way up to Tahoe and back. It is a huge county. It's a very competitive pageant. And I had just won Miss Roseville. So I'd gone in with a little bit more confidence. I kind of knew who I was, went in with, I'm here to have a good time to make friends. And I remember they had called, you know, second runner up, first runner up. And I remember standing there thinking, okay, you know what? It's, I was giving myself the pep talk. It's mm-hmm. okay. I had a great time. I had a great weekend. I'm always going to remember this experience. There's always next year. I was already giving myself the pep talk. (laughs) I was because I'd only won one other pageant and I still didn't quite see myself as a winner. 
at that point. I knew I had given it all that I could, but I just didn't know if it was enough. And they, they called my name and I'll never mm. forget what they called my name. I was in shock. I could hear my dad. I didn't even know he was there. I could hear him. That's my rage. That's Aww. my rage. He was so excited. So that's when that, I consider that my first win because it was, I was just completely floored by the fact that the judges, again, they saw in me the confidence and poise that I just didn't know was there yet. And I just continued to take that with me one step at a time until I met your girls at Miss California International Junior Miss. And that was my favorite pageant experience of all oh, time. So yeah. fun. We always, I mean, that's our last memory. That's the last one we did. And, you know, I look back at raising these girls. And like I said in the intro, you know, this letting page kind of lead the way. And I'm just going to listen and let her do what she wants to do. And it's just amazing what it's done for their confidence and learning how to speak to adults. It's so important to me. And, you know, I watch the girls that their friends are, you know, who their friends are. And, you know, I'm always seeing who has eye contact, who's, you know, can speak to me, come over to the house and have a conversation. And it's these pageant girls that I've seen are like, so amazing, like, so right there. And when I see that, and what I teach them is like, visualize, like when they saw you, and this is how I would do anything in life, right? I, it's all about visualizing, visualizing the end, always seeing the end. I used to be a diver when I was in high school and when I was growing up. And I would visualize my dive in the perfect entry. And I think I learned that when I was like in sixth grade. And I remember my coach saying, you just got to visualize it. So with the girls, I, we visualize everything as if it's ended, right? In the victory. And I remember with, when Presley won the NAM Miss California, I went backstage because you have to change, you know, before they go out to, to crown. And she goes, mom, I'm just going to keep visualizing it. I'm going to see myself. I see it. And it was so sweet. And then at the time I thought, well, don't get your hopes up. <laughs> then I started like backtracking like, oh, she's going to go out there. She's going to think, like, I know I got it. I already see it, mom. But she's doing it because I taught her to visualize, right? So after she won, I said, were you visualizing it that way? She's like, yeah. When they called first runner up and and I sat there and she goes, I knew I was going to be called. I felt it. I saw it already. It was already done in my head. So, you know, teaching that as part of life. Yes. And I know you probably teach that to your clients. You know, like I, I would love to ask you, like, what are your, the way you accomplish goals or the way you teach people? Do they, how do they find their purpose, their passion and start Absolutely. moving forward in that direction? Absolutely. Such great questions. So I definitely use visualization. In fact, I did a lot of visualization before I won Miss California and IJM. I actually drew a picture of the crown on my head. Now, some people might think that's extreme, but that's how bad no, I was in it. Totally. And that's like, that's what I, that was the goal that I put in my future. Was, I'm going to win this because it meant so much to me. I knew what it would give to me as far as sisterhood and what it would do just for credibility for this goal that I wanted, the stream that I had. And I call it, now a lot of people have heard of SMART goals before, which is, you know, keep it specific and measurable, keep it achievable, keep it realistic, and keep it timed. And so um, that's all very true, and it works very well. I take it a step further. So specific and also simple. 
So instead of, I want to eat right every single day and I want to lose a pound every single week and I want to drink 30 ounces of water every single day, you're getting specific, but you're also getting more and more and more complex. And the brain really likes simple goals because Mm -hmm. if it it can hear a simple goal, it can see a simple goal, right? And so the first part is smart is specific and also simple. The M is most people use measurable. So instead of saying, I want to lose weight, keeping it measurable would be giving it a specific number. Like I want to lose 10 pounds would be measurable. Well, when we take it a step further than that, we also want it to be meaningful. What is the deeper meaning? Like once you lose that 10 pounds, are you going to be, have more energy? Are you going to be able to pick up your kids, your grandkids? Like what's the meaning behind it? Mm -hmm. That's when your brain is like, oh yes, I'm going to go get that. The achievable, we want to also make that as if now. This is what I teach my clients. So I want to lose 10 pounds is achievable. We also want to change the language so that it's very clear to your brain what that end picture is. Like you just said, we have to have the end picture. So we state it as if now I am, and then you state your new weight. Your new weight is your as if now, because this is, I work a lot on the subconscious brain Mm -hmm. at the subconscious level. Consciously, we know what that means. I want to lose 10 pounds. Right unconsciously, subconsciously, our subconscious brain does not know what that means. It thinks, so if I want to lose 10 pounds, I've hit the goal because I want it and I currently want it. I know that's sometimes hard for people to understand, but if we say it as if now I weigh 135, whatever, that's like, oh, very clear. I have a clear picture of maybe me standing on the scale or something or you know, being able to run the mile faster, whatever it is in terms of as of now. So the R for most people they've heard of realistic, which is you're not going to lose 30 pounds in a week. We need to keep it realistic to take it deeper with my clients. I also ask them to make sure it's responsible and responsible. Let me give you an example of a not responsible goal. A not responsible goal would be a client that comes to me and says, I want to make a million dollars. And I say, okay, sure. No judgment. Let's figure that out. And then I find out they have a newborn baby. Hmm. And I say, okay, well, here's what's going to, have you ever made a million dollars before? No. Have you ever made six figures before? No. Now we're getting irresponsible because for you to set this goal to make a million dollars and you've never done it before, you've never even come close, you're going to have to sacrifice your family life. For us to do that responsibly, we would have to make this a five, six, seven-year goal. So that would be getting it responsible. We don't want to ignore all other areas of our life in order for you to get to your goal. So I love clients that come to me and say they want to make a million dollars. Let's do it. I just want to make sure it's going to also be responsible to your family. Is it going to be responsible to your health? Are you going to have to sacrifice your health in order to get this goal? Because if you are, I'm not willing to do that as your coach. We need to make sure that it serves all areas of your life. Right. Yeah. And then the last one T most people have heard of time. Do you want to have a specific time? So I want to lose, you know, 30 pounds within six months is timed. This one is a little bit, I explained this with a story. So my T for my clients, it stands for toward what you want, 
the opposite of toward what you want is away from what you don't want. And there's a specific reason why I take this deeper with clients is let's say you have two people that want to lose 10 pounds. This is the easiest way to explain this. The first person is toward what they want. I want to have more energy. I want to fit into a smaller pant size. I want to be able to run the mile faster. I want to be able to do 10 push-ups. I want to feel more confident in my bikini, whatever it is. Towards. The away from client says things like, I'm tired of feeling lethargic. I'm tired of not being able to play with my kids. I don't feel confident. I'm tired of not feeling confident when I look in the mirror. I'm, I'm tired. I'm sick all the time. They want to lose 10 pounds, but they want it because they have a very clear picture of what they don't want in their life. Mm -hmm. Here's where that becomes an issue. These two people go to the gym. They both lose 10 pounds because they're both motivated. The person who only was away from what they didn't want is no longer motivated. They have no real reason anymore. Yeah. The person who is towards what they want, they're going to keep going. I want more. I want more. I want more. The I don't want person, and and it happens all the time. When you know somebody that makes a million dollars, spends a million dollars, makes a million dollars, spends a million dollars, and they're like this, Mm -hmm. it's because they're away from what they don't want. Once they get away, I don't want to be broke. I don't like that. Once they get away from that, they get snapped back into it. So that's how I make sure my clients' goals are smart, which is specific and simple, measurable and meaningful, as if now, um, all areas of life, realistic, responsible, timed, and toward. Love that. Such a good note, noteworthy. I'll never look at that word the same now from yeah. you, Rachel. If you, you make know. smart goals, it will absolutely change your life. You can get whatever, you can manifest whatever you want in your life as long as it's smart. You know, I'm, I'm helping right now. I've just started this course called Uncovering Your Teens, Your Magic for Teens. And it just was inspired through parenting and the things that I've te- taught my girls and tried to really change their, especially now with all the technology. And when I see children and they're always like, you know, always with the blinders on into their phones and it drives me crazy and think outward. And, you know, the pageants obviously have helped immensely you know, community involvement, going out and giving, being, and Paige did the confidence or the compliment queen speech on how I make her do five compliments a day when she goes to school. I make them both do that. But I think, what was your platform? I think that I, because the girls have a platform too for their, it's called the Paige and Presley's Positivity Project. And it's about teaching kids gratitude, how to write their gratefuls down every day, they have to give two people, they have to pick two friends a day on who to, you know, say something sweet to or send them a message, give them a quote, and then a one goal for the day. And I've helped a few of her friends and now it's opened up to this new class that I'm teaching. But I really am, my goal is to teach these teenagers to think, you know, how important to wake up grateful. I'd make them smile before they put their feet on the floor. They have to think of five things that make them feel grateful, right? From that moment before, like the day before, like they're feeling, it's such a feeling. You can't just say, I'm grateful for the grass. I'm grateful for the trees. I'm, you know, and I, and I say, no, you have to feel what, what, what made you feel so good yesterday that you're so grateful for? And they'll say, okay, I, I loved when we went to the beach. It was, I'm so grateful for, we lived close to the beach that I could learn my surfing lesson, you know, but so it's the present and being grateful, the feeling, and then the outward is teaching them how to go out and make someone else feel good and give, give, give. 
And then one, to have something where they have one goal. And it could be as simple as, I learned how to tie my shoe, you know, but it, you know, it doesn't have to be something huge, but a lot of times in, during school, it's, I'm going to get an A on a test or, you know, that kind of thing, or make, get into a musical theater part or, you know, whatever. But it's teaching these kids at this age to take their eye and open it up and see life and to start their life off. Could you imagine, like, if I could have known these things at 14, my life would completely be different. Right. But tell me, what are your rituals in the morning? What do you, I always, I believe in that so much and night. A lot of people focus a lot on rituals in the morning versus doing it both time. Yeah. But what are your rituals? Oh, I love that question. I'm a huge proponent of gratitude. Absolutely. Gratitude is how I love to start my day. And, you know, faith is really important to me. So I spend a lot of time in prayer. I spend a lot of time praying for just the people around me because a foveal view is when you have blinders on. It's called a foveal view. I'm very Mm -hmm. focused. When we can expand that outward, we have a much better appreciation for where we are in life. And so I will spend some time praying for myself and, you know, it feels good. Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm feeling good. As soon as I start praying for other people and for those around me, for what they're going through, for what they need, suddenly I feel so empowered, empowered in my own life. I feel inspired to want to go out there and make a difference in the world. So I am a huge proponent of prayer. And for me, you know, Some people use meditation and prayer interchangeably. To me, they're a little bit different. I do both. Meditation is I'm quiet. I'm quiet. I'm listening. I'm going inside to just hear the answers. Prayer is more external processing and asking for things, saying my gratitudes out loud. That's the difference for me between meditation and prayer. And I definitely do both each morning and each night. Hmm. Do you have a meditation that you follow or do you just, is it just being quiet? So actually both my company genius unlocked, we have a channel on YouTube. If people want to go and listen to recorded meditations, you can go to genius unlocked meditations on YouTube. There's tons, tons on there that are really great. If you're, if you're like, I don't have time, I've got five minutes. I would recommend the grounding meditation. It's just It is kind of a listen along and it's a visualization and you visualize just being more connected to the earth, being more connected to God or source, whatever that is for you. And in five minutes, you can totally shift your energy. When you sit and meditate, because I probably do, I do it every day, but I try to make it longer and I get up early, extra early to do all my little gratitude, my, all the little things that I do. I've tried to do the breathing. I do the Tony Robbins priming. I mean, my morning people would go, whoa, you're, you're like on a mission. But I really, and I teach the girls the same thing, but we all did Tony Robbins priming when we did the UPW. We're all sitting in here doing it mm-hmm. and the breathing and, you know, the meditation for me, you know, at the beginning to tell people how empowering it is, it just when you sit there and silence your mind and you just are more aware of your thoughts and really like being a reset, I interviewed this really neat guy that every time he had a thought, he started over and then he'd go again. And it was such discipline, right? But it gets easier and easier. And in trying to explain that to the girls too, during quarantine, when we were sitting 
you know, around, we'd lay on the floor and I'd say, just five minutes, try to clear your head. And, you know, it just, I feel like God speaking to me, you know, the magic in that. And for people to really stop, and if they say they only have a short time, I would say, then set your alarm a little earlier because it's so important. It is. And you'll get time back. That's what I wish people would understand. That five, 10 minutes that you're going to spend in meditation to recharge your brain, your soul, your body, you're going to get that time back because you're going to be working that much faster once you feel like you can take on the world, which you absolutely can once you're grounded and connected. Right. What is your, what's lighting you up right now? What is your passion? So my passion is definitely, you asked me a little bit earlier, what is my platform? Yes. So there's two, kind of two answers here. So one would be my platform in pageants and then my other is my business, which I'll talk about in a second. But my platform really, I was a teacher before I became a life coach. And I actually was inspired to become a life coach somewhat because of what I saw in the classroom with our younger generation. And that was, and not just with kids, adults too, that was, they weren't able to make a connection between what happened, what upset. So an event, an event was their thought after said event, what was their emotion after said thought? And how did we end up with their behavior being what it is? They'd go from zero to 60. And we all can think of adults that do this too. They're not clear on why they feel triggered. They're not clear on why all of a sudden they're overreacting, but they just feel this intense emotion and then they feel out of control sometimes. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I was seeing that in the classroom with children and I would try to talk to them about, okay, what, you know, what happened? Well, he said this or whatever. And then it's like their behavior wasn't really matching. It wasn't in alignment with what happened. So I started to do a little bit of research about how how do we get to behavior? What happens in the brain between an event happening, somebody saying something, and all of a sudden I'm reacting. And there is an actual process. And the process is the event happens. There's kind of, there's my perception of what happened Reality and my perception of what happened are not the same. They're never the same because Mm -hmm. everybody's perception of what happened is based on their neurology of past life events. It's being filtered through their value system. It's being filtered through all this different information about how they were raised, past experiences. And it's also their state of mind at that time. Are they tired? Are they hungry? You know, all of this stuff comes into play when there's an event and a response. So the event happens, there's all these filters that that I'm filtering the situation through. And then I develop a thought about the story. So the thought could be, I'm not good enough, or they don't want to be my friend. If it's a kid, they don't want to be my friend. And that, that, then I think I'm not good enough for them. Right. And then there's an emotion too. So complicated. There's an emotion. Then maybe they feel sad or they feel hurt or they feel guilty or in some cases, shame or anger. And now we get their reaction. I had such a hard time in the classroom being able to teach kids these skills of like, I'd ask them, well, what are you feeling right now? They couldn't tell me what they were feeling right now. It's just rage a lot of the times. Hmm. And so that's when I started Happy Heart Clubs as a social and emotional club to kind of teach kids this process of an event happens. I filter the information 
I have thoughts about what happened. I might have a thought about myself. Then I have an emotion and then I have a reaction or behavior. And so to do that with kids was very simple. I just kind of broke it down and we, the first couple of weeks, we just looked at different emotions on a poster and we talked about different emotions and we talked about different experience of when we might feel happy versus when we might feel hurt versus when we might feel angry and kind of helping them navigate that those are different. And then being able to make the connection for them between thoughts and emotions. So we did some activities about, you know, if somebody says, oh, I like your shirt, how do you feel? If somebody says, no, you can't play with me, how do you feel? And we kind of just talked about different scenarios in this club. It was only an hour once a week after school because it's all really we could do time-wise. Yet I saw huge growth in them Hmm. being able to navigate their responses. And I thought, this is really cool. I want to actually look into this more. And with the adults, adults need these skills too, right? Totally. And so that's when I first kind of dove into life coaching. And I got some different certifications that I thought were just going to be cool to apply with my family, cool to apply in the classroom. I didn't see this becoming a huge passion and purpose of mine. Yet as soon as I dipped my toe in the water, I became obsessed with this work. And if we could just teach people this one thing of you're in control of your behavior, as long as you can backtrack your emotions and response to an event, you can be empowered through anything, really Mm -hmm. anything you're empowered. And so that's now a passion of mine is showing my clients, no matter what happens, When you feel like things are out of control, when you feel like that person is out of your control and they are triggering you day after day after day, when you chunk down the thoughts that you're having about the event, the thoughts that you're having about yourself and the emotions coming up, you get to choose a new response. And that is, that's magic. Totally. And I love, I've been working with a girl that has a lot of anxiety and she's always worried about her parents, they're going to get in a car accident or, you know, it's this constant thing. And I, you know, for her, she's, it's what she plays in her head all day. And to get her to not think that way and to redirect it to gratitude, you know, those negative thoughts, change it to a positive. My family's always safe, you know, really change what she's 13 and has been programmed in her brain to worry and to have this anxiety, but it, to watch her the last like three days, send me these messages and how magic is coming and she's realizing her, you know, I'm not going to look at my, all these things that keep in my brain that I'm really working on putting them out and replacing them with something positive. Oh my gosh, that is exactly how I feel with like how you do. I get so excited. I would do this all day long. It's just something in my heart that I see these kids wanting to, right? They yeah. want to. And that's a part, like, I can't help somebody that doesn't want to. Right. You know, it's different when you have an adult, right? Because they're sitting there with you. They're, you know, have all this life experience. But when you're with a kid that you don't know how they are at school, you know, you don't know their learning habits or anything, but when they want to and they want to change, oh my gosh, it's like, if you want to change and I can help you, you have me. Exactly. And that is what I found that really is like my passion. (laughs) This podcast has led me to this passion of mine. And it's to help these kids really get over that. And it's just, so, it gets me excited every day to see, to see these little texts come through from these kids and their goals and their, what they were grateful for this, that morning, it lights me up in a, the biggest way ever. 
That's so awesome that you do that, Ashley. I'm so just excited for the the young people that get that experience with you. That is really special. But you know that it's also, like you say, the adults need it too, or the parents. And, you know, you always know that you can teach these kids, but when they go home, you know, what do the parents know that too? You know, how do you do that? What's, how do you do that with these kids that you helped at school and then they go home and they're still programmed? They still have that, you know, at home. Exactly. That is a really great question. And it's something that I've had to navigate through in my own life, because even if I have all the communication skills in the world, you're not always going to be interacting with people that have all the communication skills in the world. And so, you know, with that, it's, I firmly believe that when you show up in a conversation and hold space a certain way, you set the model, you set the standard of this is how it's going to be now. And I've watched the interactions that I've had, even with my parents or with other people in my family, when I shift and I'm coming to a conversation, I call it at cause, which is in empowerment. When I come to a conversation in empowerment and willing to listen and willing to hold space, then it can be reciprocated. Yet it cannot be reciprocated if I don't set that tone to begin with. And so with children, you know, I will teach them some skills of like, okay, if the conversation isn't going the way that you want to, you can just say, I would need to stop right now and let you know this is what I'm thinking and feeling. And you take ownership for your thoughts and feelings. It's not your mom's fault that you're thinking or feeling that. It's not your dad's fault that you're thinking or feeling that. And you can let them know that. It's not your fault. Hey, I know this isn't your fault. You don't... I'm sure you don't want me to feel unheard right now, but that's what I'm feeling. And so when we can teach other people, just take responsibility for your thoughts and emotions and let the other person know it's okay. I'm not blaming you. I'm just communicating with you what's going on inside my head. Then it allows the other person to relax. As soon as a conversation becomes defensive, that's when and it's still to this day, I'll be in a conversation with someone and I'm like, wait a second, I'm not getting the response that I want or something feels off. I will just slow the communication down and I'll say, I think we're, we might be miscommunicating. I just want you to know that this is actually what I mean. And believe it or not, this sounds so simple, but I think this is really the key to every disagreement. Comes down to someone's definition of a word. Mm-hmm. So if somebody says, I mean, I've gotten into disagreements with my coworkers about the word leadership. We're going to show up as leaders. Well, I don't want to show up as leaders. I want to show up as teachers. Well, I don't want to show up as a teacher. I want to show up as a coach. We're all saying the same thing, but we're in a disagreement because we're not on the same page with what those words mean. Right. So as soon as you can understand that most miscommunication is somebody's definition of what word that they're filtering through their own lens It's like, okay, wait a second. This is what I mean. This is what I'm thinking. This is what I'm feeling. And just set the precedent of how that conversation is going to go and hold space for people to show up however they want to, emotions and all. Provide that safe space and be the one that's that's level-headed and cool-headed and can speak from a place of empowerment. Yes. So we're wrapping up, but I really wanted to... I met your husband when we were in at the pageant getting ready yes. at Disneyland, right? Were we at yes. Disneyland when I yes. met him and getting uh-huh. the photo shoot and everything and a beautiful relationship. You can just see it. 
<laughs> Tell me your secret of finding him. I don't know how you met him. And if you want to have a family. Yes, I will. We met in a church parking lot. <laughs> funny. I had been, I had, this is a story for another time. I had dated all the wrong guys to put it short. And I was done with that. And I'm like, I was really seeking and praying and really doing all the things that we've talked about today, visualizing, getting specific on what I was looking for in a mate, praying about it, meditating about it. And I heard during a meditation, he's not at your home church. He's at this other church. I literally heard the name of the church where my husband was, which was huh. Bridgeway. I had never been to that church before. This was not my own thought. This was from God. And so I'm like, all right, I'm going to go check it out. But I was really trying to like, okay, don't get too excited. Like you're not going to marry the first guy you talk to. Just be cool. It might take a while to find him, but I'm open. Alex was literally the first guy that I talked oh my to gosh. church See? and I'm not making this up. And I just, I knew instantly he was, I knew one person. Cause again, I didn't go to this church and it was like a college night or something. There was this group of people standing outside after the service and they were just having a conversation in this big circle. So I went up to the circle and I recognized one person, which was a coworker at the time. I went up and I stood next to her. She was on my right. Alex was the man on my left. And he looked over at me and he said, I really like your tattoo. I have a tattoo on my foot. And from there, he was just the easiest person to talk to. I just felt so myself with him from the very first day. That was something I had not experienced in a relationship before. Just that ease and that effortlessness mm -hmm. to be able to be myself and hold a really comfortable conversation with such a handsome man. <laughs> oh, I love that. And you can I, see it, it was love at first sight. It uh, was. See, but you listened to your, that voice that God yes. was telling you, go and you did it. Yes. You know, how many people just ignore that voice, you know, right. or shut it down and say, oh, that's really not that. Right. That's or what a weird, or, yeah, what a weird thing to think. Of course, I'm not right. going to go to a random church that I don't go to. And that was really stepping out of my comfort zone because even though I might seem very personable, I am very personable. I'm also an introvert and shy. So for me to go to an unknown church with unknown people, it was very outside of my comfort zone, but I trusted that inner voice and I went right. and sure enough, it paid off. Oh, that is a magical, magical story. And do you want children? Oh, yes, we do. So my husband and I have been married for six years. Um, I'm 32. He's 31. And it just hasn't been the right timing yet. You know, I, we got married when he, my husband was a Marine first. So when he got home, it was like, okay, then he, you know, he got a G, what is it? A GI bill to go to school. And the VA paid for it. So then he went all the way through and got his master's degree. And he just graduated last June. So we're like, okay, I think we might be ready now. But we've just been kind of getting him through school and getting him on the other side of being a civilian again, which is a new, new experience. Oh, you're going to make an amazing mother. Those babies of yours are going to be so blessed. Thank you. I can't wait to watch you watch that journey. Thank anyway, you. one last little question before we leave. Yes. Is there one little takeaway that you could leave us on that you feel that people, if they did one thing or two or three, whatever you want to use, that can really learn to open their eyes to see the magic like you did that day when you listened to your inner voice or what little tool could they take away before we end? 
Absolutely. I would say if you could do this one thing, your life will change completely. If you can recognize the difference inside yourself between your intuition and your fear voice, because your fear voice, it loves you. This is what people need to understand. Your fear voice is trying to protect you. It loves you. It also sounds different. So this sounds so bizarre, but I do teach it to new clients. I teach them to talk to their fear voice. We don't shame our fear voice. We don't talk down to it because it loves us. So we ask it instead, oh, what specifically are you afraid is going to happen? What specifically are you afraid is going to happen? Let your fear voice tell you. Well, I'm afraid that you're going to get hurt or you're not going to know anybody at that church. It's going to be scary. And then you say, okay, I can hear what you're saying. And you validate your fear voice. And then you say, I promise everything's going to be okay. (laughs) And if you can learn to do that and you learn the difference between your fear voice and your intuition, your intuition sounds like pure love. And your intuition is that voice. It's like, just go. It'll be fun. I promise. It'll be so worth it. You're going to make friends. You're going to have a good time. You might might even meet the one. You are going to meet the one. Go. And sometimes people freeze because they're like, I've got two voices in my head. You're normal. If you have two voices in your head, you're totally normal. One is your intuition and the other is your fear voice. Learn the difference. Say, talk to your fear voice and then say yes to your intuition and your life will be, you'll be unstoppable. That's the magic right there. Totally. Oh, I love that. Love it. Thank you for that last bit of Rachel wisdom. This whole hour has been all of amazing Rachel wisdom. I've loved it so much. Where can everyone find you? Oh, absolutely. So if you go to geniusunlocked.coat, you'll see my business page. If you just want to connect with me personally and get to know me, then you can follow me on Instagram. It's coach underscore Rachel underscore Bailey. And I do post a lot of daily wisdom on there and positive quotes of the day for you. If you're just like, I just kind of want to connect with her. She seems like a nice friend. Come follow me on Instagram. If you're interested in life coaching, you can go to geniusunlocked.co. Thank you. Oh my gosh. Such a pleasure. Such a, I love to see that beautiful face of yours again. It's been a while and I'm so grateful for what the gift you were to my girls during that time and for them to have you as their role model and to watch you speak and be on stage and shine your beauty is beyond. Like I really saw it and I told you there and I could probably cry. Isn't that funny? It's just really, you cry, I'll cry. But it just really, you touched me and you touched my girls a lot. So thank you. Thank you. And thank Thank you you. for having me, Ashley. I've been a blessing to be here. Thank you. Can't wait to see you again. Thank you for listening to the Uncover Your Magic podcast today. If you are inspired by what you heard today, please share it with a friend. And if you haven't already, please subscribe, rate, and review this show on your favorite podcast player. If you would like to connect with me with any questions, comments, or feedback, please contact me at the Uncover Your Magic website. Thank you so much for listening and don't forget, always look for the magic.